most people speak of the runner's high. And the runner's high is what the rest of the world knows as the zone. The zone is when excellence becomes effortless. At the physics level, it's a concept called free energy. Uh, I'm going to nerd out for like 10 seconds. Go for stop. it. Go for it. So, so what happens is when we produce energy, electricity, it is inefficient. If you spend $100 to produce electricity, you're going to get out less than $100. Uh, the typical engine has a 66, maximum 66% efficiency. But free energy is this idea that there's a special machine that you get out more than you put in. Mm. It doesn't exist. It's a special thing. I think the RBS is free energy. Wow. I really think it's the only thing that you can get out more than you put in. Right. And I hope the stories we've shared with people today give them clues and glimpses of how that's possible. Welcome to The Value of One, The Power of All, a podcast created by the Ron Brown Scholar Program. Since 1996, this organization has been investing in the next generation of African-American leaders. And this podcast highlights the stories of the scholars, alumni, staff, and friends that make this program special. Hey, y'all. This is Ray Pryor, 2015 Ron Brown Scholar. And in this episode, I'm excited to share with you a conversation I had with Robert Cabrera, Ron Brown Scholar from the class of 2007. And if you know anything about Robert, you know he's a true globetrotter. He's always on a plane traveling from country to country, so much so that he has this game that he plays with his clients that whenever they talk with him, they ask, Robert, where are you calling from today? So I figured, why not play that game too? Here's just a few minutes of him talking about all the places he's been recently. As of today, I'm calling in from Atlanta, Georgia, but I just came in from uh, spending a week in Brussels, Amsterdam, and uh, sorry, Brussels, Belgium. And uh, the same week, I also went to Amsterdam in Netherlands. And then two weeks ago, I was in Mulhouse, France, which I had no idea existed. It's on the border of France, Switzerland, and Germany, a famous city called Basel. People talk about the basil at first in Miami, but the real basil is even better. Before that, I was for a week in uh, Johannesburg, South Africa. And prior to that, was uh, in uh, Sham El Sheikh, which means land of peace by the Red Sea in Egypt. That's where COP27 was. Uh, so in the last four weeks, I've been to maybe four or five countries. Very exciting. And prior to that, the reason why my clients play that game is that everywhere I go, I typically have a, my international phone calls from a local number. So earlier this year, I had the opportunity to visit uh, Samoa, the remote uh, Pacific. And that's when I discovered my clients play the game to say where I'm going to call from. And you know, the funny thing is they never guess right, neither do I, because I travel that much. <laughs> uh, before Samoa, I was in Equatorial Guinea which for the fun fact is the only Spanish-speaking African country. I didn't know until I landed at the airport. And so I know that the RBS folks are super interested in traveling. As you know, we pretty much have a VIP invitation from the very top in Egypt. So I hope we can get some of our RBS friends there. I have everything lined up. Nice hotel by the pyramids, uh, Ministry of Tourism, if we need to go by the Red Sea, I have contacts there. I met some very good contacts while at COP. 
So I cannot wait for our first RBS group trip uh, to the pyramids. Uh, so I've been to nine countries this year and six new ones. In fact, I've traveled so much, Ray, that the customs people are now doing secondary interviews for me. When I was living in Europe, in the EU, the guy was like, what do you do for a living? And I told him, I said, uh, is that why you travel so much? I said, yes. And we had a pleasant conversation. And then uh, when I got to the customs passport control in the U.S., they put my passport in a red envelope and they took me to the back. I'm like, what's, what's going on here? It turns out they're like, you travel so much. It's very suspicious. I said, well, I just came from um, COP27 to represent the U.S. And I just came from France upon the U.S. government invitation. I am actually doing the same work as you guys are, except abroad. And they were like, oh, man, that's insane. The guy just smiled and said, man, you're hot right now. I said, like, Michael Jordan, 94. And then he let me go. So insane amount of traveling. Traveling is a big part of Robert's role as the founder of Sync Energy AI. That's where he and his team are building technology that can predict the damage of natural disasters and climate-related risks before they happen. Imagine if a city or utilities provider or insurance company could foresee the impact of a wildfire or a snowstorm or a hurricane ahead of the disaster, be proactive and preventative in how they set up their infrastructure, to preserve resources and ultimately save lives. It's pretty amazing what he's working on. But today, you're not going to hear much about computational fluid dynamics, Monte Carlo simulations, or the machine learning models he's built. Robert's journey also includes being a genocide survivor and a refugee. His upbringing is just as inspiring as any of his accomplishments, including being a Forbes 30 under 30 honoree. In this episode, as he tells his story, he highlights how pivotal the Ron Brown Scholar program was to his growth and success at multiple key milestones in his life. Here's that conversation. Yeah, very good question. And as you list, as as you rightfully listed all those different phases of my life, each of them is is a story of its own. I think... um, If I had to point to one specific incident, it's it's the genocide. Um, In 1994, a small country in East Africa called Rwanda had a genocide. If you don't know Rwanda, it is famous for lowland gorillas, the big silverbacks. When people ask me where I'm from, I tell them there's no gorilla. Everybody knows gorillas. And but what they don't know is gorillas are actually native and only exist in my parents' village. And so when I was younger, my grandma would tell us there was a crazy white woman playing with monkeys. We thought, you know, grandma was just this grandma. <laughs> uh, it, and then 20 years later, I go to college and I found out this was Diane Fossey. And so wow. the, the gorillas were native to my to my village. And uh, that's where I'm from. And in 1994, we had a a pretty big civil war that turned into a genocide in which 800,000 people died in uh, less than three months. And the specific incident I want to point to, which is going to be the theme of my conversation here today, is how my family and I survived that incident. 
which is my father had dug a tunnel in the back of the house to store some equipment in. Think of it as an undergraduate underground uh, storage bunker. And so, um, you know, we're sitting at home. It's a Wednesday evening. We're about to have dinner. It's summertime. My cousins are there. Everyone is having fun. 7 p.m. And suddenly we had two loud blasts. And we're like, okay, you know, whatever. And then around midnight, we start hearing gunfire and was nonstop gunfire for years to continue. And so that Friday, we go into the tunnel. It's me and my parents and my siblings. So we're six in my family, four kids, my parents, my two parents. And my father says that we have uh, neighbors who are of a different tribe from the president. And he invites them in our house to hide because if they don't hide, they're going to get killed. And in there are 17 people that are in the tunnel for 22 days. And when we first get into the tunnel, you know, every man on his own, every woman on their own, every family on their own. And it's very evident early on that uh, that's not going to work. So eventually we realize that we have to put our differences apart and come together. And it is through that coming together that we do survive and actually do quite well in the tunnel. And so uh, being part of the RBS network, we are people that come from difficult uh, backgrounds, but we are all excellent people in what we do. And excellence has a habit to tend to think and act individualistic. Mm. And what I'm going to try and uh, share today are several stories from my life and within the RBS network, how, in my opinion, our greatest leverage for success, for excellence, for impact, for us to make a dent in the universe is actually coming together, especially coming together with people who we have very little in common with. And that lesson was first ever learned in the tunnel, in the genocide. And looking back, if you look at other similar instances, the, the Jews that survived the Holocaust, most of them are people that came together. The Japanese that survived the concentration camps, they came together. So popular culture, media has this image of everyone wants to be John Wayne, you know, the solo hero. In tech, everyone wants to be Steve Jobs. Right. But in reality, uh, in the real world, when we face crisis, we want to have an impact 10,000 years from now today. The best way to do that is to come together. Right. And I appreciate you. uh you sharing that story. And even though I've had the privilege of hearing it before, I uh, can't even begin to imagine the 22 days in the tunnel. But, but if, I, if I try, I can see the first moments, like you said, or first couple of days, even though your father has invited people. who, if, if It's my understanding. Who, are, are they a different tribe from your family as well? Or, or in, yes. in addition to being different? So, so this is not just different from the president and, and the, the general, you know, the what's going on in the country. These are folks in the tunnel who, who are different from each other as well. Yeah. And like you said, initially, when we get uncomfortable and maybe even on the flip side, like you said, when we experience some success and we're really excellent at what we do, we go solo, very individualistic. I'm going to take this corner. They're going to take that corner. As long as everyone stays in their place, I'll be okay. But right. there's 
there's something about being down in that place physically or emotionally long enough to where it seems that we eventually learn we can do a whole lot better if we stop going into our corners. And, right. and, and, but sometimes you gotta, it seems that sometimes we gotta go down there and, and spend some time down there before we get there. Yeah, this yeah. is true. I think, you know, you discover what you're made of through dark and mostly lonely paths. Just don't spend too long there. Right. But don't think that is the only path. Um, because oftentimes when you pursue something extremely challenging, that seems impossible. It is very easy to come to the conclusion, a defeatist conclusion, if you go at it alone. But if you go at it, even with the same mindset with a group, the thing about group dynamics is just the coming together is going to produce magical results. Hence the, the famous quote, human beings are the only parts of nature that uh, the, the whole is greater than the sum of the right. parts, Yeah. right? Everything else in nature, you put a puzzle together, it's going to be the same puzzle. Right. When human beings come together, right, the sum is always greater than the, the parts put together. Absolutely. And, and that's, that's, that's what I've seen. Uh, I, I, again, we'll go into the de de details later. Even, for example, my current traveling like crazy, I've, 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 I've had the opportunity to to present at major climate conferences this year. The one I went to in Samoa was uh, in front of 79 countries. Okay. Um, the, the invitation at COP27 was by major, major corporations. I spoke on, on, on panels and it was well received. And I could do that because I have a tech solution. But last year I came together with a retired ambassador. Because I realized, yes, climate, yes, energy is a technological scientific problem. But the way the people that need to hear it are diplomats. And so I needed a diplomat to put it in diplomatic terms. Right. Before, I could talk for 10,000 hours and no one listens to me. Now, when I go with the ambassador and he does his diplomacy thing, suddenly in like 10 minutes, people are like, yes, let's do it. Yeah. That's just a very small example of how if you put your differences aside and you come together, magical things happen. Suddenly, yeah. I'm in Basel drinking fine wine with the ambassador because I was like, hey, my tech is great, but it's nothing without a, diploma a diplomatic person to present it that way. So that's a small example that just came to mind of, you know, yeah, yeah giving absolutely. up someone else. Yeah, I think that summarizes the the mission of this program and the name of this this platform, the value of one, but really the power of all that, that once, you know, and, and I think a lot of us who, you know, from from your childhood, the same tools that it took to be successful in school, the same tools that it took to be successful. Um, yeah, we'll just say before you go to college and before you um, you start pursuing things um, in your career. A lot of them we could kind of get away with doing by ourselves. And a lot of us even were kind of a inspired to do so and kind of have a chip on our shoulders to to not um not need anybody else to 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 stick it to the world and and, and right. that this is my domain where nobody can touch me you know but yeah. i think it's a lesson that is really important that ideally we get as early as we can that if you really want to to take it to the next level you can build a great tech tool for climate change but if you really want it adopted you got a partner 
you gotta you gotta split the the ownership. You gotta give up power in order to get to get it back. You know, I think you articulated that really really well. I know that uh, there there are a lot of scholars who've had an impact on you. Being at Stanford too, I'm I'm sure there were a handful of scholars that were there around your time. Can you tell me a bit about what your experience was like at Stanford and engaging with other scholars, but just generally pursuing engineering there, coming from all the places that you had been in your life, actually, up until that point, Stanford was very different than all of those other environments. I'm curious to, to hear what that experience was like for 18-year-old to, to early 20s, Robert. Yes, yes. Uh, I think that we all come to, to college with different levels of preparation. And we, as a program, spend so much time excelling and being wowed at each other's accomplishments that we don't actually come together and engage very well. Right. Yes. I think that's a shortcoming. I think that's a shortcoming that must be dealt with presently because we are losing a lot of value along the way. And I'm going to share instances in which rarely, but I had the good fortune of coming in contact with other Ron Brown scholars and the impact they had, and it all started with Stanford. Going, going, going to Stanford, obviously everyone there is very well accomplished. I had gone in the School of Engineering, it's what I studied. And the School of Engineering, I think Stanford has seven schools, medicine, engineering, education, sciences. You generally do not mix with people from the other school. I think they even have, I don't know if they have them anymore, but back in the day, they had terms for science and non-science majors. They were called the techies and the fuzzies. You know, that they never mixed. It was like water yeah. and oil or fire and water. Just they don't mix. Right. But thanks to the RBS program, at the time I was there, they had a big C uh, arrangement where they put an upperclassman in charge of uh, three or four undergrads, like like younger first, second year. And I had the good fortune of having Mondaire Jones be my big sip. And uh, for those that don't know Mondaire, Mondaire um, studied at uh, Stanford uh, undergrad in political science, went on to graduate with honors from Harvard, and um, is now a congressman. Uh, so he's sort of a big deal, but back then he was somewhat of a nobody. <laughs> so, <laughs> Those are the best stories, man. Yeah. So, so, so Mondaire, I think, was a junior or a senior when I was a freshman, and Mondaire was a political science major, and was vice president of the student body. Back in the day, I could care less for policy. I could care less about student government. You know, this is this is the heart of the Silicon Valley. It's my job to be a good science student and build apps and do that Silicon Valley thing. But I didn't have a choice, so I took part of the program. And uh, one of the things Mondaire um, helped me tactfully to do was to take part in non-technical extracurricular activity. And I was like, dude, what's leadership? Who cares about leadership? <laughs> you know, yeah. when I have the best grades and the best app, nobody cares about leadership. But I said, okay, whatever. If you insist, I'm going to do it. And so the school had something called Nomination Commission, which was a program of, I think, five students uh, that were responsible for deciding 300 positions, 
of students and faculty in different organizations. And the other people there were someone from the law school, the med school, political science. But what I learned through nomination commission was how to basically be a leader at the very at the very core. How do you come together as a group of five, arrange a way to interview people, fill all 300 positions within budget, within time, and make sure things are done right? 15 years later, as a company CEO, that's precisely what 90% of managing company is. It's about working with a team, interviewing candidates, making sure they're qualified for the roles and holding them accountable. And so Nomcom, once I graduated undergrad with my degree in engineering, is one of the most important set of skills I ever had about how to work with the world outside of math and science. And that's 90% of life. Right. And it's all thanks to Mondaire forcing me to do this thing that at the time was thought was just a waste. Yeah, that, that, is, that speaks to what our community is able to accomplish and, and the kind of impact we're able to have on our scholars that even just being an amazing engineering student at Stanford, if you just stop there, you would think whatever opportunities you want after that or during that are yours. You're, you're, you're there. You're in the mecca of tech. You're, 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 you're around your people who, who think like you and, and, and everybody who is looking for people like you knows exactly where to come. But now in your role as, as, a, as a leader of, of an organization in other capacities that you've had, even reaching out to the diplomat is, is a kind of a similar thread that it is really good to have your network in your sphere and in, in the engineering school it's really great to to do well there but the moment that you branch that's when that that's when the whole is bigger than the sum of its parts that that's where i think the the exponential impact really happens is that we can touch so many different spaces and it sounds like you you had that very early on you know in, in yes, your experience yes. and i think i think this too and and this these examples are all a case in point of something you and I have discussed in the past, which is the theory of weak links. Mm. And the way you think about the theory of weak links is, let's say you and I here in the U.S. and you know 10,000 people in the U.S. and you know one person in Japan. It goes that if you strengthen that one connection in Japan, your potential for impact is going to be much greater than if you just engage those 10,000 people. Yes. And so. You know, me working or engaging, I I knew maybe maybe a hundred engineering students, but that one non-engineering engagement I had contact I had with Mondaire is ultimately what prepared me to bring my ideas of science and technology and tech on the world. Because again, most people are not technical; they are all of it's about emotions, feelings, giving people. Uh, autonomy to do what they love it's 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 leadership one-on-one and and that right. nomination commission was just that yeah you know kind of like if you think about it on from a linkedin standpoint with your weak ties that your your first connections are people you know your friends your 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 family maybe even if they're on there right? those are the professional contacts that you've groomed over time and, and those will be some of your strongest relationships but the people who will put you in spaces that you couldn't be already are the the second and third or the the people who are one step removed and and oftentimes those people can 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 be a real difference maker 
And and we have the luxury that like we we know a bunch of them and we're all a part of the same program and we've all known each other since we were 18 years old. You know, like that that's it's really a blessing that even if most people know the value of weak ties, most people don't have an RBS that they can tap into. Pre- pre- precisely, to, right? To and, and 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 the Mondea story was just a college example. Uh, fast forward, uh, second example I'll, I'll share is when I graduated, I had an idea of building a credit scoring tool, a tech company. And when I was fundraising, I obviously did not have uh, the background to be able to build a good enough financial model. So I reached out to one other scholar that I knew had the background. Um, and so I had known for a long time that Kai Ross, um, at the time was a rock star at uh, Goldman Sachs. You know, he, he was well spoken of. He had played a leading role in bringing, securing the Goldman Sachs partnership, which I think is the largest we've had to date. So I said, you know, dude, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm building this little tool, but they require financial models and I don't know how to do that. Can you help me? Prior to that, I, I, I didn't really know Kai Ross from Adam and Eve. I knew he was a great guy, but I knew him from a distance. And he was very open. I think that very weekend he made time to chat with me and he helped me understand the fundamentals of modeling. And he actually loved the idea enough that a, a couple of months later, this was, I think, in 2016, Kai ended up being my first investor. And that was phenomenal because that's you know, if you had founder, cash, cash is everything. Right. And all because I had been humble enough to say, hey, you know, I have this thing. I need help in this area. All I expected from him was uh, the help with the financial model, which he provided, but he ended up giving me cash. And long story short, he actually ended up now is working on his own tech startup. And yeah. the way it goes is he's really, really technical and financially savvy, but not having done a startup like I have for the last 10 years. They're, the hardest part of building a company is interpersonal relationships. And so he calls me now and he's like, Robert, I have such and such issues with my co-founders. And I'm like, oh, I, I, I faced that seven years ago. Here's how you deal with it. Yeah. And so he's able to fluidly move through the difficulties that I failed from. I was able to secure money from not only my first, but my second venture. And that's a second example of, hey, just RBS, reaching out to RBS and coming to each other's aid. Wonderful things happen. Now, we are both founders. I think my company has like 10 people. I'm probably going to hire a lot more. In fact, I'm probably, my to-do list for this week is three uh, job descriptions, which I'm going to shop with Holy Duke because I want to hire RBS. But all that started from just the two of us, different guys, different skill sets coming together. Yeah. And, And what I appreciate about the the initial exchange when when you came up to Kai and said, "Hey, I've got this idea that I'm working on and, and really need your expertise." It sounds like you guys weren't super tight necessarily. Hadn't maybe had a whole lot of conversations and then maybe had seen each other at events or just knew of each other generally. And in some organizations or in some networks, you need to know people really really well before they're willing to help you. And I love that you don't need that. Like it, we in, in RBS, we kind of skip the small talk. We skip the introduction. And when you see those three letters, that's it. I got it. Yeah, Whatever yeah, you yeah, need no, is done. Like Kai, Kai was, I want to say, uh, two or three years ahead of, I had never talked to him before. Yeah. Um, 
he had gone to Princeton and was in the investment banking world. Literally, didn't know the guy. I said, hey, I'm Rob, RBS07. I need help financial modeling. Can you help me? He said, sure, I'm free this weekend. That was that. That's it. It's yeah. that easy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't write a better story of the full circle of you coming to him for financial modeling when you needed it and being an early investor uh, in your company. And then him being like, Rob, you got to help me. Like, I'm, I'm figuring out how to handle this, the, this tension between my it's, founders. It's and really interesting, right? It's like, strength of weak links. He's amazing at, 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 he can make an Excel spreadsheet sing songs. But hum, you cannot deal with human beings and have 10 years of dealing with human beings. And so I literally sit with him and I tell him five years worth of human relationship mistakes. And he's like, oh, man, that's brilliant. I'm like, dude, that's what I do. So his go-to is whenever you face a difficult team situation, step out, call Rob. And 99% of the time I have the answer, not because I'm smarter than him, because I've made the same mistakes over the last 10 years and I can save save him the trouble now. Right. And And he knows because he was the first investor in my company. So I used to call him with the same issues. And so he knows who to call for those same problems. And we're all, we can all save each other years of management challenges or mistakes or, or things just by, like you said, staying, staying more connected to each other. And what I also appreciate too, is kind of a second dimension of your, your, um, your message about wink links is that now I bet, um, and it may have even happened, Kai's weak links now become yours because you're, you're one message away of saying, Hey, Kai, I have this thing I'm working on. Do you know anybody who does this? And yeah. and and so now not only do you have your own and you and then you kind of transition people from weak links to your inner circle, but it it expands with all of their weak links too. Uh, and and so I, I I get I get goosebumps thinking about how when we coordinate, when we organize, um, not just as a scholars, but as a community, all of our resources and wisdom, we we have too much to to be siloed off. Right, like like the, the game is too precisely. too big. And if it wasn't the case, maybe maybe we shouldn't waste our time, right? But but for yeah. us, man. And you, you you used an important word, two important distinct words. You said scholars and community. Something yeah. that I think we scholars do not tap into at all is our community, right? And my third and sort of final story of the day is about a wonderful interaction I had with. A non-RBS person in our community that really had magnificent outcomes. I forget which it was, but I had attended one of the selection weekends. And in selection, you know, it's like you, you, you greet everybody. And at some point in time, I walked up to the bar and there's this older Caucasian gentleman. And he seems nice. So I just start talking. Hey, how's it going? What drink are you drinking? Where'd you come from? I like your, you know, just being nice to the guy. And he ends up handing me his business card. I say, great, thank you. You work in government. I'm never going to work in government, but whatever, I'll just take this card. And a couple of months later, I see um, a role at a government agency, and they're looking for someone that can help with energy in Africa. And I'd studied energy. I spoke up African languages. So I reached out to this gentleman. I said, hey. I see this agency, they have this role, I'm perfect for it, but I have no way of 
I didn't see an applic, you know, how to sort of get in touch. And uh, he sends out a message. It turns out he's involved with that particular organization. They ended up hiring me, no questions asked. Uh, Through that opportunity, I end up uh, working with 50 energy companies in African countries for the Obama administration. This was in 2014-2015. And that is the work that landed me on Forbes list in 2018. Wow. All because I went up to some random dude at Selection Weekend and I just, hey, nice to meet you. What do you do? Where are you from? I'm not really into government, but I'm going to keep in touch anyways. Right. So reaching out to none, you know, the first degree is scholars. But really what's more magnificent is the second degree, which is Forbes, Friends of Scholars. Right. Very, very, very well accomplished people that are ready and eager to do what they can to help me. He recommended me um, to that role. He didn't know me. We talked maybe for no more than five minutes, but he knew I had those three letters, just like with Kai. And that's all he needed to push my case forward. Yeah. I have never really experienced anything like the the evening, like the the American Journey Awards as part of Selection Weekend and been in a space like that where, like you said, first degree is like, man, the scholars that are with me here or the other finalists at that time on my first one, I'm like, man, I don't know how I got in this group, but I'm grateful that I'm here. Right. And but but then you if you look even more out into the crowd. Maybe even in, as at 18, 19 years old, you don't even realize the, the people who are in the room and who their weak links are. Uh, and, and, and that's why I think this, this, this program is so special because it not only attracts and, and, and keeps us as, as scholars together, but there are a lot of people who want to be uh, honorary scholars too, basically, right? Like like people who who want to be a part of this. Um, I, I remember uh, a few years ago when Magic Johnson was at Selection Weekend, he he made the, the the comment that he was the first Ron Brown scholar. Late Secretary was a mentor to him in in a few ways, and and I think it, you you got to be looking for those kind of people, right? You got to yeah. walk up to the people who are there, and so I think that's a that's a really powerful just testament to to what you can find if you plug in here. When you dream about what RBS is going to be in another 25 years, what, what comes to mind for you? 25 years, huh? It's a long time. Most large corporations, especially finance corporations, have defined verticals. But then when they have special projects, they get the best of the best from all the verticals and form a team around the special project. I think those that team is typically known as the SSG, Special Situation Group. I think RBS in its fiber intrinsically is an SSG. I think that not even 20, even today, if there is a project, a topic, a goal, a milestone, a movement, public or private sector that we want to accomplish, I think by coming together, uh, 70% of that problem is solved because we have all the skills to build and we also have the intelligence and the network to find the solution for the following, the next 30%. But the core of this all depends on one thing, 
coming together. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Value of One, The Power of All, a podcast created by the Ron Brown Scholar Program. If you want to hear more inspiring conversations like this one, don't forget to click subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. To learn more about the organization, check us out at www.ronbrown.org.